James chapter 2. And verses 1 to 13. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, well, stand over there, or if you've really got to sit down, sit at my feet. Have you not made, then, distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonoured the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honourable name by which you were called? If you really fulfil the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Right, I have to decide which bits to scrap and which to include. Right. Brothers and sisters, are we doing well? Well, what does James say? You shall love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. So, are we doing well? He says we should. The translate they said the word they use in English in verse one is that we shouldn't use partiality. You know, it comes from partial. You make choices. You choose one part, not the other. The original word apparently means something like looking at the face. You know, that also implies you're, looking, you're not even looking skin deep. You know, you're just looking at the surface. You're making a judgment on somebody coming in based on what they look like. Now, just write this down if you're making notes. I won't, we won't put it up. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 15 to 18, basically says in verse 15, you don't, shouldn't be partial. You don't judge the poor more readily just because they're poor. And you don't judge the rich more harshly just because they're rich. Which is the opposite way around to this. But we can be tempted to do this either way. But we should, you know, in Leviticus it says justice should be just. 
you don't aren't partial. Now, notice when James is talking here, brothers and sisters, he's not talking about other Christians coming in. It looks like these are visitors, probably not Christians. Right. Now, I read through this passage earlier in the week and was thinking about it, and I thought it, I had it all mapped out. But when I came to write it down yesterday, I got challenged by the Holy Spirit. And having fluffed it on Thursday, I'm not going to fluff it now. And this is what I felt the Holy Spirit asked me. Who would you least like to see come through those doors? Yes. Ouch. Now, I was probably like you, and I went all pious, and I said, well, anyone's welcome, Lord. And then it came back. Who would you least like to see come through those doors? And I, I had to think. And some of my deep prejudices came out. The ones you push down and pretend aren't there. So I was still being a bit pious and a bit sort of uh, English mode. So I uh, said, well, I'd prefer it if you didn't send any upper-class twits to the church. <laughs> and I then thought, well, if I had a choice, I'd rather you sent a hairy, tattooed biker. Now, if you self-identify as an upper-class twit or as a hairy, tattooed biker, I apologise for the offence I've just caused. But if we're going to be honest with ourselves, sometimes... You have to. Because we do have prejudices. I know I had that prejudice, and I've had to work at it over the years, but it still comes back. Now, this isn't to say that I haven't been blessed by people who have upper-class accents which really grate on me. You know, I've been, but it does mean, in that sort of context, rather than if it's somebody I know, if it's somebody I know, I'm usually quite willing to listen to what they say and accept what they say. But I don't know about you, but the first times I went to somewhere like Stonely, where I didn't know most of the speakers, it would take me half, quarter of an hour, half an hour to say, mm, is this person worth listening to, before I really started taking what they're saying in. If they had an upper-class accent or an American accent, it would take me about two hours before I got to that stage. You know, but, that's, but we need to be real about how we respond. The important thing is that we do get past those boundaries when they're there. Right, there we go. Now, if you want to take that same challenge yourself, do it in your own time. <laughs> because it's not something you can do... Well, you might be challenged immediately and know what you've got to deal with, but it took me a while to admit to what was there. 
And I think the other thing is, there's a tendency not to want to face up to that sort of thing because we're frightened that our worst fears will be met by God sending somebody like that along. But I think if, you know, I think everybody here has been in this church for at least a couple of years, some of us for decades. So I think generally we're comfortable with one another. But we're going to have to be honest that if we want, as has already been said, God sending people in, it is not going to be comfortable. Yeah. And, we're going, and we are going to feel loss. Mm. Because our nice, comfortable church is no longer going to be comfortable in the same way. And so we have to face up to that. Right, I'll do the next bit a bit quicker and then we'll go on to breaking bread together. Why is being partial, why is looking at the surface sinful? According to this passage. I think the bit which it tells us that it's sinful is verse 12. Because if we judge people by what they are, who they are, we are not living under the law of liberty. Now, again, uh, I won't turn to it, but because you'll probably, I will refer to it. If you want to read it up, Jesus in his parable, Matthew 18, 21 to 35, is the parable of the... Uh, servant who owned his master millions of pounds got forgiven the debt when his family was going to get sold into slavery and him stuck in prison and then he collared one of his fellow servants who owed him a few pounds and said pay what you owe or else you know we in this context are that first servant we are the ones whom God has forgiven all our sin. Who's forgiven what we could never ever pay in multiple lifetimes. But if we then go and judge people on the surface, it's like us grabbing hold of somebody who owes us a few quid. In comparison. So if we're not living under the law of liberty, are we actually forgiven? It's a harsh word from Jesus. You know, we know we are forgiven with nothing which we ourselves could do. But if being forgiven and born anew doesn't change us what meaning is there of being born anew mm. we're not say as James will say in the next bit I think you know we're not if you haven't got works he says your faith is dead I would phrase it if what you believe doesn't work itself out you don't actually believe it 
is really what it comes down to. And it's hard. Because we all sin. Because we all make surface judgments. Uh, something I was reading recently is it's the way humans work, it's the way your brain works to save your brain being overloaded, having to calculate everything anew every time. So we need to be aware that we can do that and watch it when we do. But if, because of the way our brain works, we fall into, you know, again, as we said, temptation isn't sin, but falling into it is. So if we are aware that we sinned in this way, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's what we need to do. So, if God's challenged you on something and you know there's an issue, let's mentally now just confess it to him. You can do it out aloud if you like, if you're not worried about other people hearing what you might say. And just ask God to say, yeah, this I know I fall short in. Lord, forgive me. And thank you, Lord, that you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So, brothers and sisters, are we doing well? And however we think our answer to that is, God is going to give us opportunities to grow in loving our neighbour. So... You know, when it's difficult, remind yourself you are here and you ask God to send people in. Mm. Because sometimes we have to do that to ourselves, because our mind or our whatever's deep down in deep-rooted rebels, and sometimes we need to remind ourselves what we have told God. Mm. Now, another thing I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to do is for breaking bread. Now what I've done is we set up three places, two at the back, one at the front. Now, I know we are all, we're a small church, we all tend to know each other quite well. But I felt as a, again, as I think, as uh, was it uh, Sam was saying, sometimes we have to act things out. Right, so what I want you to do is when our prayer about the bread and wine in a moment is go to one of those places, pick up some bread and wine and go and join with people you wouldn't normally talk to. Now, most people here, I suspect you've talked to everybody here in about the last two or three weeks. So fine, don't, worry, no, don't get guilty about that. But if you, th- if you think there's somebody... You know, because all of us have people we tend to talk to every week and other people we'll talk to occasionally. It's just natural and human. So, I suggest go and find somebody who you don't... It's not your natural person to go and chat with and just pray with one another and break bread. I think the one thing I would say, don't choose anybody from your own growth group. Because that's an easy way of trying to make sure it's somebody you don't see quite so frequently. But if, and if God has put on your heart you need to go and do it with somebody specific, 
and you find somebody else in your growth groups there, fine, just go and join in. It's, it's not something to get judgmental over. But I think it's something we need to act out that we are happy for God to send in anyone. You know, people we, people we would possibly not quite prefer as much as others. And as I say, you're always going to be in that situation, if only in terms of time. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you sent Jesus to this earth to break the chains which have bound us. Yep. To break the chains which separated us from you and separated us from one another. To break the chains of sin in our lives. To break the chains of prejudice and partiality. Lord, we thank you that you came. And Lord, we thank you that by your death on the cross, where your body was broken, your blood was shed, we can come into this new life. So Lord, as we take this bread to remember your body, drink this wine to remember your blood. Mm. Help us, Lord, to be united in your new family. And Lord, again today we ask, send people in. Mm. Send us out. Yep. Lord, for those who you are calling to do the making your light visible where it's not visible, to strengthen them and show them where they should be going. Mm. For your name's sake and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.